Psalm 104, let me kind of skip through it and hit some of the major verses, is uh, really a commentary to David. There's a psalm right in here. And he's speaking of uh, blessing the Lord for the work that he had done over in creation. Um, so we're going we're gonna to start here in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. Cover yourself with light as with a cloak, and stretching out heavens like a tent curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, and he makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind, and he makes the winds his messengers, and flaming fire his ministers. As we continue to read through this, I want you to hear the intentionality that God has. There's a purpose in his angels as being ministers and flames of fire. There's purposes in the way he set his beams in the waters, okay? So this is very intentional. It's very, if I may use the word masculine, right? God is, is doing something, and David is saying we need to praise him for this work he's doing. And, and the poetry here is awesome. Verse 5. He established the earth upon its foundations so that it will not totter forever and ever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters were standing above the mountains, and at your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they hurried away. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place which you established for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass over, so that they will not return to cover the earth. He sends forth springs in the valleys, and they flow between the mountains, and they give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches, and he waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of his works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, and vegetation for the labor of man, so that he may bring forth food from the earth. My favorite verses, and wine which makes man's heart glad, <laughs> so that he may make his face glisten with oil, and food which sustains man's heart. The trees of the Lord drink their fill, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds build their nests, and the stork whose home is the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the cliffs are a refuge for the shepherdim, and he made the moon for the seasons. The sun knows the place of its setting. You appoint darkness, and it becomes night in which all the beasts of the forest prowl about. The young lions roar after their prey, and they seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw, and they lie down in their dens. Man goes forth to his work and to his labor until evening. O Lord, how many are your works? The wisdom you have made, in wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. There is the sea, great and broad, in which are swarms without number, animals both small and great. There the ships move along in Leviathan, which you have formed to sport in it. They all wait for you to give them their food in due season. And you give to them, they gather it up. You open your hand, they are satisfied with good. You hide your face, and they are dismayed. You take away their spirit, and they expire and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. Let the glory of the Lord endure forever, and let the Lord be glad in his works. He looks at the earth, and it trembles. He touches the mountains, and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Let my meditation be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So it's Psalm 104. What a great declaration of God's intentionality. And David writing this poem 
praising God for it. Go back to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to tie this in with some other scriptures. And uh, Put your finger, if you're in Psalm still, Psalm chapter 8. We're going to go to Psalm 8 also. But before we do, we're going to read Genesis chapter 1, starting... In verse 26. Now Dustin taught a couple of weeks ago a man being the image of God and how part of that image was lost when they fell, when Adam and Eve fell into sin. And um, as being an image bearer of God, we are his rulers on the earth. It's actually the word ruler, and I'm not going to go into all the details of that in Hebrew, but we are bearing his image, and when God created the image, created man in his image, it was that they would be speaking for God on the earth. So as God created man in his image, he goes, and this is the, uh, I'm going to illuminate more on what Dustin was teaching on it being his image, is that he created, had a purpose for them in the garden. And that was to take dominion over the garden of Eden. And by extension, that continued. Okay, so let's look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which has, which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, it was the sixth day. Now let's break chapter uh, chapter 1 down here, going back to verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing. So when God said that he was creating man in his image, and he told them that they were to take dominion over everything in, in the earth, in the garden that he gave them, he was extending his rule to them. Because obviously God, in his dominion over the earth, established all these boundaries like we read in Psalm 104. God is very intentional about that. So in God's intentionality in creating that, he says, okay, Adam, I've got a role for you. Not just Adam, but Eve as well. And your role is to take dominion over these things. And by doing so, we give God glory for it. And it's actually quite enjoyable too, right? But I don't want to leave verse, the first part of 26 without making a mention about the scriptures where we read here that God said, let us make man in our image. It's the um, Hebrew word Elohim is here, which is the plural, uh, a plural general term for God. It's not God's name specifically. We see God's name Yahweh revealed as I am later on. But um, here Elohim is a plural form for God. Okay, So here we have the first instance where God speaks of his his plurality, well, I'm going to say plurality. I've got to be careful here with Trinitarian language because we have the three persons of God. I don't want to go too much in the Trinity department, but um, we have 
God as one God, three persons in one. Okay, they're not three different parts of God. It's just God is one, and he's three different personages. So uh, I bring this up because there was this weird thing that developed way, way, way long ago. And uh, it was a Hebrew idea that God was fully God, fully man, and like fully woman. And that when God created Adam, and he uh, took Eve out of Adam, that God split man in half. And God was, man was androgynous. And so when God split Adam in half and took the rib out, he, he made this androgynous creature in two different parts. And they were incomplete unless they came together. And this is reflective of who God is. And you guys might be saying, why are you telling this this weird Hebrew <laughs> strange story? Well, does it sound familiar to you? <laughs> Every, there's nothing new under the sun, right? There's nothing new. This whole revival of transgenderism is, um, and I'm going to be careful with my language. One thing we talked about the elders' meetings, we're going to be more careful, me especially, I could be a loose cannon, that we're, we're going to speak as euphemistically as possible around the children. So anyway, um, so the whole movement we have today with the, again, I hate using the phrase transgenderism because it's not a real word. There's no such thing as transgender. You can't transform from one gender to, the, to another, but we're kind of stuck with it at the moment, right? So Douglas Wilson comes up with a better word. <laughs> we're gonna kind of stuck with it. So the gender dysphoria that's out, there's nothing new. This is actually going back to Hebrew stuff before that people were saying that people can be androgynous. Satan has not really introduced any new lies. He kind of repackages it and, and does things a little differently, does a different spin, okay? So he's telling the same lie he told going way back. But we're experiencing this huge revival of this lunacy in a culture that has been dominated by Christian thought. So for us, it seems new and like wild, but it's really been around for a long time. And so... Um, to contradict that, the scripture is really interesting because when we look at verse 27, God created man in his own image and, and, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, when the scripture uses this word male here, it is the Hebrew word zakar. And I went to Google to pronounce these correctly. So zakar, that's male. And female is N E. This is E B. The cat. They're easy ones to say in English. I was hoping for like this really. <laughs> or no, cat. Be a little more dramatic, but it's actually quite simple. According to anyway, whoever came up that Google, they Google this stuff. So the car is male, and the cat is female. Now why do I bring this up? Because in the Hebrew, we've been reading about God creating man. And the word man is Adam, and it can be translated as general mankind, or it can be uh, specifically Adam, the man himself, or it could be just a, a, a personal pronoun, just a name, Adam. But in this instance, God did not use Adam for male and female, but he used two specific words, Zakar and Negev. And Zakar is very specific to male. When it talks about God creating the birds of the sea and everything else, he's not using these male and female words, but it's specifically spoken of as in regards to man and woman. So it's, it's specifically that sexuality the man has and the female has. And it's very unique, obviously, <laughs> and they complement one another, right? And so the complementary nature here in Genesis chapter uh, 26 is is really important 
Because God is saying, look at um, when I've created man in his image, this is more of the emphasis that God gives and that God, man be created in God's image, is that he's continuing to specify and growing in specificity with male and female. But in verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and rule over it. So it's the same idea as rule, subdue, and dominion. And this is the Hebrew word, if you're interested, radah. It's another easy one to say again. R-A-D-A-H. It means dominion, or submit, or rule. And it has the connotation, we're going to look at it later, as uh, the, the earth being the footstool that God is going to place his feet upon, and enemies being placed under your feet. That's the etymology of this world. To rule means to put things under your feet. To completely dominate it. So as God is speaking to Adam and Eve, and he's telling them, the Zakar again, Adam and Eve, to take radah, dominion, submit, and to take all these things and put it under your feet. And then he says, be fruitful, multiply, and spread and fill the whole earth. Okay. These things that God said, and Adam and Eve were never abrogated all throughout Scripture. There's no way to point the scripture and God says, okay, no longer any need to replenish the earth. There's no longer any need to take dominion over it. So we're continuing today with that dominion. And the question we're asking ourselves today, and this has been a question that we've been having talked about with some of the guys in another Telegram group, and uh, Justin and some of these other guys, is what does it mean to take dominion? Um, you know, and how does this fit in with eschatology? Postmillennialism, premillennialism, amillennialism? And how do these things all work out completely? And these are really good questions that we're kind of working through. But one thing that is really clear, and that's what I want to focus on today, is the dominion that God begins is primarily starts through the family. It starts through the man. The man goes, finds a woman, they get married, and they have babies. And there's a dominion happening already right there. Joshua said it best, right? As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. So as men, we're called to lead our wives and our children and saying, this, is, um, this house belongs to me and my wife, but I'm called to lead it. We're going to serve the Lord. So the dominion begins there. It begins with Adam and it begins with Eve. And then they begin to subdue the earth. They have children. And as they have those children, they're teaching their children how to have dominion. Now, I want to, I'm going to take a, a quick uh, side route real quick because I want to contrast what the scripture talks about and what the world says. So um, the scripture says that we're going to fill the whole earth and there's plenty of room. What does the world say? Well, no, too many people. Too many people. We got to reduce the population, right? Depopulation. Um, it used to be conspiracy theories in my mind for a while. I don't think anything's in it. I don't think any conspiracy is that far out of the question at this point after seeing what has happened recently, right? Um, so I'm going to read for you a quote. This is a, a really a good commentary on Genesis. It's by a guy named Jonathan Sarfati. He's got his PhD. Um, he's a, a doctor. Um, he's part of uh, Answers in Genesis. His commentary on Genesis is really quite fascinating. So he uh, was spent a little bit of time talking about overpopulation, and he... Uh, he uh, brings a couple of quotes of some guys and said some things recently, but actually, I'm going to go back, put you back to 160 AD, okay? Um, a guy named, a Christian apologist, well, I'm going to read this here to make sense of it. Okay, um, but even at, sorry guys, 
Could God's command to multiply lead to overpopulation with no one dying before the fall? No. God gave the purpose of his command to multiply to fill the earth. Once his purpose had been fulfilled, the command would no longer be operative. Similarly, God gave various prophecies such as the virginal conception of the Messiah. It has now been fulfilled, so this prophecy is no longer operative and that we should no longer be looking for future fulfillment. But even at over 7 billion people, we are a long way from this level. Although people have been fear-mongering for a very long time, even the early Latin Christian apologist Tertullian, uh, in 100, he was born in 168, he died in 225, claimed, listen to this, everything has been visited, everything known, everything exploited. Now pleasant estates obliterate the famous wilderness areas of the past. Plowed fields have replaced forests. Domesticated animals have dispersed wildlife. Beaches are plowed, mountains smooth, and swamps drained. There are as many cities as in former years there were dwellings. Islands do not frighten, nor cliffs deter. Everywhere there are buildings, everywhere are people, everywhere are communities, everywhere are life. He's writing this in 180. <laughs> I, don't, I wasn't able to find the population estimate of the world at that time. He's just in Greece, man. Okay, <laughs> he's thinking it's all overrun. Not hardly, right? Uh, proof of this crowding is the density of human beings. We weigh upon the world. Its resources hardly suffice to support us. As our needs grow larger, so do our protests, that already nature does not sustain us. In truth, plague, famine, wars, and earthquakes must be regarded as a blessing to civilization since they prune away the luxuriant growth of the human race. That was Tertullian. Is it called? We call him a church father. I didn't know he had that terrible view. <laughs> he was really, he was not right in that area. Um, I'm going to read. So again, it goes back to what I said before. You know, we talk about, I can't, we can't think what's happening, all these new ideas. Satan's had the same old lies over and over and over. They get repackaged. And again, I think it's because we're not accustomed to right. hearing these things because we're in a Christian influence culture for so long. But it's the same stuff, guys. So look at, um, I'm, this was uh, 2006. Um, And uh, evolutionary ecologist Eric Pianca presented a chilling talk to the Texas Academy of Science at Lamar University in Beaumont, uh, in Beaumont, advocating a similar reduction of humanity. Yet he received a standing ovation. The Christian social commentary and apologetic site, the Percy Report, writes that a supporter of Pianca's attending the lecture posted the following comment. This was in 2006. Dr. Pianca's talk at the TAS meeting was mostly of the problems humans are causing as we rapidly proliferate, proliferate around the globe. The bulk of his talk was that he's waiting for the virus that will eventually rise, arise and kill off 90% of the human population. In fact, his hope, if you can call it that, is that the Ebola virus, which attacks humans currently, but only through blood transmission, will mutate with the Ebola virus that attacks monkeys airborne to create an airborne Ebola virus that attacks humans. He's a radical thinker, that one. I mean, he's basically advocating for the death of all but 10% of the current population. At the risk of sounding radical, I think he's right. Um, I, could, I, I could spend a lot of time looking up quotes, and I don't want to go too far in that direction. We're all familiar with what AOC is saying, and you know, we got like four years to stop things in the U.S. before it's too late, and everything's going to be overrun, right? We're just going to be okay. It's just insane, right? It's all this craziness. And the reason why I bring it up is because God said, fill the earth, it's going to be okay. Enjoy it. Submit it. Take it under your dominion. The world says, don't fill the earth. Don't take submit. Don't take dominion. Don't take it over. What the world says is like, just kind of let things happen, man. Let evolution go. Let's read out all of these problematic issues. 
And so the world just kind of goes with the flow in the stream of Satan in one sense, right? And that stream that Satan's introducing all of his lies is the stream that we're swimming against. We should be swimming against anyway. But I think there's a huge problem in the church today is that we don't understand the biblical command that God has given us to take dominion. So when we're in this river that the world is, man, we got to be training our tails to swim as hard as it can up that stream like salmon. You ever watch the salmon? They're taking off and they go up those massive waterfalls and stuff. What a beautiful picture of power, right? These things are moving fast. Well, this is what God has called us to do. We're called to swim upstream. We're called to take dominion over God's earth. It's God's river. This is God's planet. It's his backyards. It's oak trees. He owns it. The world cannot tell us that you must not, you know, knock this tree down. Now, I'm not talking about being irresponsible, right? I know we, a lot of us really appreciate what God's given us in creation. We love going to heights and seeing what God has, gives us. So we don't want to be irresponsible. But again, the point I'm making is this is the world wants to stop everything that God wants us to do. Everything is contrary. We talk about the beauty of the male and the female, Zakar and the Geb, and that beautiful complementarian nature that when we come together, the joy that takes place in the marriage bed, and all that greatness, and the children that follow, the world says, no, that's bad because you're having too many kids, right? So you gotta stop that, you gotta eliminate all of this. And so this is totally contrary to what God wants to do. Unfortunately, I think we've experienced to some degree um, since COVID, we've had this discussion a lot, so I won't beat it to death, but with the world, so much the church is saying, we need to follow the world. The world says, don't gather, it's too dangerous to, in order to worship safism, this new religion of safism, don't take any risks, but just, oh my gosh, everything has to be safe. Whereas God is saying, no, take risks. Be a man. There's something unique about masculinity that's, that's risk-taking. We can even go into some crazy stuff with the, the dropping levels of testosterone, with man's grip strength being reduced because of things in the environment. This is not, I don't think it just happened that way. There's been a plan that the enemy is going after that. As Christians, Christian men specifically, we need to go against that and say, no, God has told me to take dominion. There's this masculine aspect to it. So uh, let's go back to Genesis here. And, and verse 29, then God said, Behold, I've given you every plant, every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which is fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And every beast of the earth, and every bird of the sky, and everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that it was everything they had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the sixth day. Now, go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to do a really brief um, overview or outline of Ephesians real quick. Uh, the reason being is I want to look at God's, again, his intentionality here and how he was building the church. And while you're there, um, I'm going to read Psalm chapter 8. You can turn there if you want. But um, Psalm 8, starting in verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? 
Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty, and you make him to rule over the works of your hands. So this is like, the psalm writer here is like, he appears to be like, this is incredible. And look at this, you know, Pleiades, look at Orion, these stars, and this creation. And you've made man so low, yet you've told him to rule over these things. And you've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. I brought that up because it's going to go more towards the case where the build for, uh, to taking dominion. I'm going to skip ahead to Psalm 110 as well. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. And then again, later on in the Psalm, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter the kings in the day of his wrath, and he will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. That psalm is talking specifically, as the Hebrew writer illuminates, specifically of Jesus Christ, that he's going to do this work and his return. But as our, the dominion that God has given us, this lines up with the work that he's going to do. Okay, so ultimately when Christ returns, he's going to make an end of all of the world powers. Now this is where different millennial theologies come to pass. Exactly how much work are we going to do on the earth in taking dominion, and exactly how much work is Christ going to do. I don't know about you guys, but me in the past, my, I had the rapture mania mentality, which is, doesn't matter what happens on the earth, doesn't matter about government, I'm just supposed to preach the gospel, make disciples, whatever happens, happens. It was a little bit more of that floating down the river mentality, but I was leaping from rock to rock trying to save some people. But eventually I got my hand pushed down the river of the world. Right? So um, as I've been studying more, I, I believe, and I know a lot of you guys have come to this conclusion, that we can't just like lay over, lay down, and just let the world run roughshod over us. It's God's world. It's his creation. So when the world says, don't worship, you've got too many people, or we're going to throw you in jail, thank God that Tim Stevens, you guys know who Tim Stevens is in Canada, who was arrested in front of his kids a few days ago? Uh, and he was a pastor in, was it Alberta? Yeah, Alberta. Um, he was, they uh, threatened, they tried to arrest him a few weeks ago, but couldn't because they didn't have the right paperwork. Well, they sent helicopters to find him because they were meeting a secret instead of a building. So the helicopters spotted him, and the police came to his door and arrested him in front of his kids and took him away. And while his kids are screaming, they watched the video. So, unfortunately, we've got Christian men, a large number, that are saying Tim Stevens is a crybaby. Because he doesn't get to do what he wants to do. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this stuff drives me nuts. Guys, this is the result of the church telling men not to be men. That you have to be a pansy in order to be like Jesus. Jesus was making whips turn over tables, man. I mean, I'm not going to go into all those details, but this is not our calling. Our calling is to take creation and make it submit to our will and say every bit of creation declares and screams it's mine. It's Kuiper's famous quote. I butchered it, but it was close. But so it's God's creation, and he's given us dominion over it, so we need to exercise that. Now let's go back. How do we do that? Ephesians is a really good understanding of how. Okay, so I'm just going to highlight a couple of verses here and there. Um, in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Blessed be the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
Verse 4 specifically. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to his kind intention of his will, to the praise of his glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us and the beloved. So God intentionally, for the foundation of the earth, Dustin did a good teaching on that, intentionally saved us. For what reason? The praise of his glory. What aspect of his How do we praise him? How does he receive praise and glory in us submitting or taking dominion over the earth? Because God created us to do that. So it gives him glory when we walk in the intentionality that he's given us. So as his image bearers, we're not just simply saying, repent, Jesus is coming really soon. we got to get out of here. It's important to say, repent, Jesus is coming soon. He's going to judge the earth. But we need to take dominion as that happens. We've got to be the head, not just the tail. And then scooting ahead now in, in this chapter, uh, verse 11. Also we have obtained an inheritance, having, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end, we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed with him, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. And verse, the end of verse 14, to the praise of his glory. So Paul in chapter 1 is outlining all these things God is doing, saving us. It's intentional. Look at verse 22 of chapter 1. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. Does that sound familiar? Go back to the psalm that we read. Here Paul is go reading into the psalm by the Holy Spirit. Hey, the psalm we read there, that is speaking intentionally of Christ putting things under his feet. And he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. Go Skipping ahead in Ephesians some more, we're going to look right ahead to uh, verse 9. Now this expression he ascended, and what does it mean? Chapter 4, verse 9. Now this expression he ascended, what does it mean except that he also has descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be what? And no longer to be what? Tossed here and there, right? By waves, right? And what else? Carried about by every wind of doctrine? By the what? Trickery of man? By craftiness and deceitful scheming? But look at this. At, look at the opposing uh, verse 15 coming up. So here we have Paul saying, look, the body's been given apostles and pastors and teachers so that the body may be built up, the church may grow, so that it's not carried away by waves downstream, that it's not tricked by winds with these stupid ideas that Satan's blowing through the church and through the world. But here's the contrast, ready? Verse 15, this is dominion. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. Even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, 
according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of its building for the building up of itself in love. So, going on to Ephesians, Paul says in chapter five that we're supposed to be imitators of God. And then in verse 22, he tells the wives to submit to your husbands in marriage, and husbands to give your life to the church as Christ gave his life for the church. So why am I connecting these things? The primary mode that we take submission over this earth is by replenishing, or it is in, in being fruitful and multiplying, and having lots of babies, <laughs> right? And raising our children to um, grow up in Christ. And that the church would be fully, fitly joined together with, those, with the pastors and the teachers. And, and, and leading and guiding the body. And challenging each other. As Paul checked this out, as Paul was explaining here in this body of Christ, it's amazing that Christ has started before the foundation of the earth. And he's chosen us to be filled with the spirit. And he said, look, I've got this really designed really well. And he explains all these things. And says it's supposed to be fitly joined together. Why? So that the world, all its waves trying to knock you down, and all these crafty doctrines and winds of doctrines, you won't listen to. Because you are thinking deeply with your minds. Fathers, we are, are taking dominion in our homes. And that doesn't mean a harsh, heavy, you know, ham-fisted thing, and um, my wife's going to fall and submit to me. It's not like that. But it is a confident leadership that says my me and my house we're going to serve the lord and through that that is added to other families in the church which is what's happening right here right so if i can extend the vision of what we want to do here and i know i'm speaking for all of you guys here is that as we are fellowshipping together we're studying the word of god together the church is being built and we're taking dominion over the earth right and so this dominion that god has given us to, to work for is, is a masculine work. And I keep on coming back, you guys know this, to the, the joy of being a man. I like being a man. I love it. I would not want to be a woman at all. Right? Now, you girls got some great stuff too. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I'm just glad I got what I got. I just, it's really cool, man. I love it. So, with ladies, embrace everything God has made you to be. What's the world say? Women, you could be just like a man. If you like, okay, side note, but I've got to say it. Jared and I are watching Loki, the new Marvel series. <laughs> as soon as you turn it on, the commanders, the generals, they're all women. And so it's just, it's like all this new stuff. Black Widow, she's just a skinny 90-pound woman in the Avengers. She doesn't have a chance of beating anybody. You know what I mean? It's like ridiculous. But the whole thing, this is the world. Well, the women have got to take over. You know, and, and, and it's like, so we're watching Loki, brand new Marvel series on Netflix. And it's just, it's like this tough woman is like, you please stop it. So women, obviously you're strong. Obviously you've got great fortitude. It's just amazing. And your strength is in nurturing. We need to encourage that. Men, our strength is in fighting and building and leading. <laughs> women, you're called, I'm, we're going to talk more about this as we get to the help me. I'm going to end this uh, shortly. Um, women, um, obviously you're, you're called alongside to help your husbands and to help the church and and to help us where we're deficient. It may not be as nurturing, you know. And men, we need to we need to lead. We need to stop letting women lead us. And I don't mean that women can't speak and they can't lead to some degree. But men, we've got to set the course. 
And that's what we're doing here at this church, right? It's like Dustin put it really well earlier when he said we're not rushing or trying to rush something, but we're intentional. So that's what we're doing. We're, we do have an intention as we're putting things together. And what we want to do is reproduce this over and over and over again, right? There are multiplying churches. And where we, we want to stand on is obviously the clear declaration of truth in God's word and pursue truth. And the truth is this, is that God has intentioned the creation of the earth to be a blessing to his people, that he's going to rebuild completely, and that we're to take dominion as he's saving the people that he has elected. And so as we yield to his work of his spirit, and we're building up the body of one another, like one another, building up each other, I'm getting tongue twisted, it's me then. Um, but this is how God's doing it. This is how he's doing dominion. Now, it was a that's kind of ends, this is where I'm going to end here. Was, I was kind of general. I didn't get into too many specifics, but I, I kind of wanted to give a general outline of what God's purpose is in dominion. It brings him glory. It brings him praise. But in the midst of all of that, isn't it a joyful thing to be part of that? I mean, it's really, really great that we get to be part of this, what's happening. When we read Dave, David and what he wrote in Psalm 108, he's, he's like, in, like in consternation. He's like, I think, man, what a man, thou art mindful of him. You've got this incredible creation. We're this little teeny tiny thing on this speck of, of stardust that rotates around a little tiny sun. And yet God and his, his condescended to man, low estate, and he, he we have not a high priest that has been not touched with our infirmities, but in every way tempted as we are, right? And, and we know that Christ cares so much for us as people. And that joy should really motivate us to be like, I want to do what Jesus wants, wants me to do. So, to some of us men, um, it's nothing new, but some of you may have to evaluate and go, am I really taking dominion? Am I just kind of floating downstream a little bit? And uh, occasionally I turn around and swim against it. But you're just kind of going downstream. And th these are some practical things that we have to actually answer. What does it mean to take dominion? I know for me, I've had my own business, but it's almost been like a side thing for a long time, just as an excuse so I can find a reason to preach and raise my family. But I, I think I need to be more intentional about looking to expand my business and try to fail a little bit recently, but in hiring more guys. But I think I need to be more faithful with my business and that, you know, and some other things. And are, are we doing the same thing as men? Are we going, okay, I want to build wealth for God's kingdom. I want to be able to build maybe a company where I can hire Christian men to disciple them. You know, and, and not just us as men, but women too. You know, can we seek independent employment so that we're not dependent upon the world, so we're not canceled when the culture comes for us? You know, just these are practical things we have to think about. I don't want to spend too much more time talking about it, but these are things that I've been talking about with some of these guys that, you know, that we're friends with and stuff, and some things we need to think about some more. You know, what, what are we doing to take dominion? But primarily, it, it's coming through right here, what we're doing right now. It's, it's glorifying Christ in our fellowship. It's studying the word. It's praying for one another. It's carrying each other's burdens, you know. And um, it's, it's watching the Lord move in the midst of us. And we're seeing him do it every week, which is really awesome. And uh, seeing answered prayer and seeing people be encouraged and blessed. And it's good to hear those testimonies. Yeah. Mark, I want to hear you um, develop the, the application just just a little bit more, because you're great at it, but being intentional in our, in our domain, mm -hmm. that God has given us as image bearers, okay? Yes. So mm -hmm. Christian families, 
fathers and mothers discipling their children, mm -hmm. making disciples of their families so that their kids would be raised up and make disciples. I mean, now it's happened yeah. in your life. You, your, your kids are all grown. Yeah. I mean, look at you. I know. <laughs> You're a grown, the grown man, right? I know. This, is, this is how I remember Jared, right? <laughs> yeah. But now you've raised a young man yeah. who is ready to take dominion, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, and to duplicate, um, and maybe even better what it is that, hope that, that you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I don't, currently I don't have this idea of me gathering up all my, you know, weapons in the house and just taking dominion <laughs> and earth, right? But it's, but it's done differently. And it's not really done on my, like, my earthly timetable. God knows what he's doing. But making making disciples and being independent of the world, mm -hmm. you know, um, is a way that I believe that we have to move as Christians in discipling, yeah. you know, our our children. You know, um, my son right here is thinking career path, yeah. right? And with everything that's happened in the past year, it's completely changed because he said, he said, yeah, I gotta be, I gotta be independent of, of the systems of the world if yeah. I'm really going to. You know, take dominion and raise a family that, that takes dominion and subdues the earth. So, I mean, I said a lot just then, but I walked no, I mean, Well, you, I can't answer that exactly, right? I, I think this is, I think I'm, and I don't want to speak too much anymore and take your guys' time, but you, you asked the questions and kind of answered at the same time, right? And one thing as I've been preparing for the study, I've been thoughtful of that, is I don't want us to also become really weird in the sense that we're going to cause other believers who may not have the same gifting and even intellect to start their own businesses. I don't want to look down at someone because they're working for waste management, you know what I mean? Um, who, they may not have all of those same skills, you know what I mean? So, do you guys hear where I'm coming from? Um, just because you work for a company doesn't, obviously doesn't make you less, but from what I've been reading, I'm concerned that maybe sometimes the church from the Dominion perspective, from a post-millennial perspective, is looking down on those who are all independently um, independent, which is kind of interesting because a lot of guys who are writing that are dependent upon people working to give them money, <laughs> pastors and teachers. So it's like taking money from people and telling other people don't work for a corporation. But anyway, so um, yeah, those are good questions. Like I said, I don't know, maybe we can talk about that more in fellowship time. Um, I can tell you, um, you know, I'm thankful for my children, what they're doing. Maddie has got a really good skill, cutting hair, and she's adding to her income. Casey's been doing really good at his job as a mechanic, and he moved right into that, kind of wandering, bounced around a little bit, and zeroed right in on being a mechanic, which he's doing really good at right now. So he could take these skills in the future. Um, the baby's still in school, but I'm excited, Jared. But Jared wants to, you know, to pursue medical stuff. So practically speaking, that's what's happening, and you know, Hannah's uh, doing good there, and he does the oil stuff. But and then Luke's, you know, chasing bad guys. But, uh, so there always be bad guys. We always gotta pay guys to chase them. But maybe actually the Democrats don't think so. <laughs> Let the bad guys take stuff. Yeah. I just think God will lead you if you are, you yeah. know, I'm working at, at Ulta and it's, for the first couple of years, I think it was um, good. I think God really blessed me, you know, and kind of learning how to grow my business and I was able to share the gospel here and there with people. But I think I've realized now at this point that I've been there for almost three years, I can't stand it anymore because I'm around the world so much. So I think God kind of yeah. leads you, maybe he leads you towards the world to be a light unto them, you know, to yeah. the gospel, but then 
I think if you realize that a certain point is too much and taking a toll on you and not really blessing things anymore. So I think if you just kind of have to where God takes you with that. Good point. We can just rest in the Lord, right? You know, he's working things out. Not we're intentional at the same time. So let's let's close with prayer. These are good things to talk about, us. You know, we need to discuss this more. And I think these conversations are coming up. There's some really good ministries pop up. Like it's good to be a man with Michael Foster and uh, non-tenant. Got a great little thing going. But um, anyway, let's close in prayer. That's the Lord do these things. So Father, we thank you for the dominion you've given us and uh, exactly how it works out. Brother Dustin was praying that we take up guns and shoot Biden. <laughs> No, <laughs> Lord, this world, we're still not of this world, you know. It, we are to be, like your scripture says, uh, gentle, Lord, as doves, but, but wise as servants. Interesting paradox. And Lord, uh, we do want to be kind, Lord, loving, Lord, gracious. We know that's going to lead to us being walked on to some degree, but we need to be wise as a serpent when being walked upon. It's not godly, but it's just being a pansy and nipping. And Lord, we know that you've called us to to take dominion. And it's, it's a unique, humble dominion. Well, humble dominion. So give us wisdom. I pray that we would uh, re use all the resources you've given us in the body of Christ uh, in this room and going further, Lord. Um, think of Brother Sam. He's got a great wealth of resources when it comes to practical things, Lord, and prepping for the future, being ready for when things can turn south really fast. And so... I pray we'd be all faithful to use the gifts you've given us, that we'd encourage one another, exhort one another, and that we would, above all, we would just rest like you did on day seven. After doing your works, you rested. You are our Sabbath rest, Christ. So we pray that we, my brothers, I pray our brothers and sisters, myself, we rest in the grace you've given. And Lord, having rested, we get right back out to the battle. <laughs> and I pray that you would empower us as men to lead powerfully, gently, kindly, but powerfully, and uh, decisively. And we ask we pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Can I, brothers and sisters, can I give a quick quote to you? Yeah. I read it, I read it last time I taught. I thought, 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 I thought